Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, knitting and cross-stitching, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about self-care, productivity, and keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so grab yours, and let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 110. Hey friends, it is good to be back. That was a longer break than intended. I didn't even mean to take a break, but sometimes that just happens. And I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, a few of the reasons are that uh, I just, I wasn't quilting as much. And if I don't have things to talk about, (laughs) I don't sit down in front of the microphone. Um, But also life has been full. Um, I'm kind of getting into some other things that have been fun. So I have a birthday coming up. My husband and I have the same birthday, um, which is a little bit weird, but we're used to it now. Um, And we got each other e-bikes for, well, the the plan was to get each other e-bikes for our birthday. And I found mine like about a month or so ago, and I love it. (laughs) I love it. It is so much fun. Um, and I got it on Facebook Marketplace and I, we were researching them and I quickly realized that, you know, I could get a, uh, a, a nicer um, e-bike than I was willing to pay for for half the price. Basically, people seem to try them and then realize they're not going to use them and sell them almost new for half off. Mine had less than 70 miles on it and it was half the price. Um, so we just haven't quite, quite found the one that is the slam dunk for my husband yet, but I'm sure that we will. So I've got, we've got big plans for, for e-bikes. Um, I'm very, I'm very excited about that. We're going to, there's this, uh, trail between Ojai and Ventura that we want to do. There's a, actually a long trail between Ventura and Santa Barbara. There's just, there's lots of them around here and um, it's going to be so much fun. I'm, ex- I'm excited about that. And um, I finally made good on <laughs> what was supposed to be my birthday present from last year to take golf lessons because that's what my husband wants to do um, as one of our you know activities as we are in our empty nest years he golfed a lot when he was younger hasn't golfed for a long time so I was able to borrow some clubs and finally found a teacher and started lessons I've had four out of my six lessons and um, and we have a a um, driving range that is like if you go to the street behind my house and drive for two miles you're there so it's just a couple minutes away um, so that's been really nice to go practice golf is hard <laughs> it is hard um, yeah that swing is no joke um, it's interesting I feel like the more I learn the worse my swing gets because I've got so much stuff going on in my head but um, my husband assures me that once I get off the driving range and actually onto a golf course it becomes more fun. So, but we thought we would, I'd just get through all my lessons um, before we actually tried, uh, you know, to go to a golf course. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, still playing pickleball. I got my husband playing pickleball now. So <laughs> yeah, we had a, a, a Sunday one day, like, you know, like we were toddlers or, you know, like this little kids. We went to the driving range in the morning. Then we um, took turns uh, taking the e-bike ride and then played pickleball in the afternoon. <laughs> So that's been really fun. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. But it has just, you know, kind of left me um, less time um, to sew. I mean, to be honest with you, I have plenty of time to sew. It's more of do I feel like getting into my time to sew is is in the evening, starting at about like 730. And uh, sometimes it's just not what I feel like doing. But I think I've kind of broken through that. 
So, um, yeah, with that, I guess let's, let's just move right into quilting. So I'm working on this ridges quilt pattern for um, the bedroom that I'm recording in right now um, to go over the top of the bed. And if you've been around, you're just like, Kristen, why are you not done with that yet? Because <laughs> I really haven't been working on it. But I finally did, I broke through what was my um, mental block, which I may have said last last time a month ago about how to make half square triangles um and i'm happy to report that i've made them all and i've trimmed most of them i linked to a video um about how to make them and trim them does she trim them that way i think she does um so there, there's a nice little trick for how to line them up when you sew them so that was easy and now what I've done is created freezer paper templates for the finished size of the half rectangle triangle. Have I been saying half square triangle? It's half rectangle. Um, and so you create a, a freezer paper template of that, and then you draw your diagonal line, corner to corner, and then line that up on your block to be trimmed and iron it down, because you know the way freezer paper kind of sticks there. And then just trim with a quarter inch bigger than the the template and it comes out perfectly so that's been a relief I've done that I've made all the half square triangles they're all trimmed down I was very glad I, I got really worried when I thought about it after I'd cut the fabric I'm like oh are these going to come out supposed to come out exactly the right size because I am a half tri square triangle trimmer I love my block lock half square triangle ruler um but luckily the, the pattern was written to trim them down. So I was happy about that. So I think I've got m most of the units made. There's a few more complicated units where you, yeah, just let's say there's a few more complicated units, but I, I don't have enough fabric. <laughs> I talked about this last time. I made a, a cutting mistake um, with one of them that completely screwed it up. And I just came up short on one to have a, a, a strip that was still wide enough. So I did an order for Fat Quarter Shop yesterday. They've got pretty fast shipping. So I'm just going to put together what I can until those, uh, those show up. But, you know, the problem is, is I'm only making half the pattern. So I took a risk and just buying half the fabric, but it just doesn't really work out exactly like that sometime. And, um, and it was just very confusing knowing how many of what units to make. So I finally just had to sit down with it, with the, the pattern where it shows you which units you need to, to put it together. And I just made a chart. You need this many. And it's just, it's like, you know, it's, it's many different colors. So you need, you know, an AB left-leaning combination here and an AB right-leaning combination over here. It was, so I just needed to make a chart. And once I did that, it all came together quickly. So um, I am hoping by the next time I podcast that that, will will be done <laughs> um yeah so that has worked out well um and the other big thing is I went to QuiltCon. I went to QuiltCon, um, which was so much fun. So this year it was in Raleigh, which worked out so well for me because um, I have a really good friend that used to live in my town that moved to that area um, actually last year during QuiltCon. Um, so I was able to fly in early and spend a day with her where we... <laughs> 
went on e-bikes and played pickleball and did all these kind of fun things. And then um, on Friday, went over to to QuiltCon. Um, my friend Francis Dow picked me up. And um, so we had our same QuiltCon squad that we did last year. We shared um, a cute little Airbnb in Raleigh of Patty Dudek and Quilt and Jenny and then Francis and I. And um, it was apparently the largest QuiltCon ever there were so many people it just um it was a little unnerving and i'm waiting for the covid outbreak to be reported but i haven't really seen anything this year last year it was like a super spreader event um i luckily none of us got it but i knew a lot of people that did so um so far so good on that but so let me just let's talk about the show um it was set up way better than it was in atlanta in that it was all on one floor in atlanta it was on three different floors um so you have all the vendors on the right and all the quilts on the left Uh, jackie gearing was the featured quilter and i went to her lecture i didn't take any classes and the, the only lecture i saw was jackie's and it was so good she is an amazing quilter just an amazing artist and it was really um inspiring to listen to her because she really didn't get going on her quilting journey till she was older um, and before that she was an educator she was a teacher she was a principal um, they, they moved around a lot which was part of the reason why she kind of needed to shift gears and and when she decided to focus on quilting as a career and she told her husband she was gonna he's like are you gonna get a job and she's like I think I'm gonna do this quilting thing and he had never seen her sit down at a sewing machine before but she came from a family of, of sewers but um, yeah, she was, uh, it, it was amazing. And, and really, one of the things I took away from her lecture is to just, you know, figure out who you are and be just unashamed, uh, unashamedly that, you know, so she likes um, simple patterns, um, bold colors, hard edges. And I'm not saying my taste is hers. It's, it's really not, even though I completely appreciate it. But she just figured out you know, what she likes. She likes straight line quilting. I think she just came out and said, I think feathers are ugly, (laughs) which I do not agree with, but she just figured out what she likes and she's just unashamed about it. Um, So just the fact that she got started a little late, she figured out what her style was, and then she just went for it. And I think that being an educator has really helped her because she teaches, you know, apparently some amazing classes. I've I've taken her classes um, from Craftsy, and of course I have her... um, walking foot book um, called walk which is amazing so um you know i i I guess i can attest to the fact that she's a at least a good remote teacher so that was great um what's fun to do is uh, you know to, to be able to walk around the show with different people um so like quilt and jenny she is a an artist statement reader and so am i uh, 60 to 70 percent of the time she's more like a hundred percent and there are some hidden gems in those artist statements um, just about what and often about what inspired the quilt which makes the, you look at the quilt um, a little bit differently you know um, I mean sometimes they're completely boring and sometimes um, what is her name Hillary Goodwin entropy always wins on Instagram her artist statements were honestly like poetry they were amazing. There should be a category for this, and she would absolutely win it. Um, yeah, so so it's fun to walk with with Jenny because she will walk. She will tell you, oh, you need to read this, or let me tell you something you didn't know about this quilt. So that's fun. Frances is um, 
really just into figuring out why is this quilt modern? Um, and, and really just like digging into getting, looking really close and just really examining the quilt, much less interested in um, the, the, the artist statement than actually just experiencing the quilt. Patty is amazing because she is the most prolific and um, I don't know what I, how I want to say this. She is the modern quilter. She's the true modern quilter of our group. She had three um, quilts in the show she had another one kitted up in the vendor thing uh, as a pattern a different one so she really had she was represented by four uh, quilts at QuiltCon and so she has um, such wonderful insight um, especially on um, construction I I can get I, I really often try to break down how was this made like how are they doing this and she often can go oh well here you can see the block is over here and it's on point and so so it's a different experience and then I had the opportunity to walk around the show with my friend Minky Kim who came and she worked in the Riley Blake booth where she designs fabric I think she was in the Aliso booth and um, you know she's she makes quilts, but she's more of a bag maker, you know, less on the modern side, but we had so much fun walking through. We went through the applique section together. Um, and, and so it was just interesting, you know, to get her take and what she found attractive about and interesting about various quilts. So depending on who you're walking the show with, you can kind of have a different experience, which uh, I found I found really fun. I'm not sure what I'm bringing to the conversation <laughs> when we are uh, walking around. But, um, oh, well, Frances had, I don't know where she got it, but she had this question that we started asking ourselves, like when you are standing and looking at a quilt, what about the quilt, if you took something away from that quilt, what would really like make it so much less interesting. So like, you know, essentially what is the most important design aspect of this quilt? And, you know, sometimes it's the, the thin little red, you know, white inset strip, or it's definitely the quilting that's, you know, if the, without this quilting, it would be a different quilt. So that was kind of an interesting game we were playing basically back and forth as, as we walked the show on the last day. Um, Another thing that uh, Francis and I like to, to do is is kind of look at what are the trends in um, in the quilts this year in the show. And um, so let me share a few of those with you. One of them is there were so many hand-dyed fabrics, um, way more than I've ever seen, and, which was very interesting and give gives things a different look. And, and then also, even if it wasn't hand-dyed, there were more quilts that were in um, more muted colors, dustier colors, you know, like a little gray was mixed into to the, the palette or something. Um, like, you know, so like the, the, the pinks were not bright and the blues were dusty and, you know, not pastels, but just more muted, um, which appeals to me quite a lot, to be honest with you. Um, that's kind of more my thing. So I, so that was kind of interesting. I kind of just feel, um, like modern quilting is growing up in a way. And so we don't have to be like a Mondrian painting or something. We don't need to be primaries and just, you know, stark and graphic and in your, in your face, there can be a little more subtlety and nuance. Um, also there were, in my opinion, way less prints. So I feel like the last few quilt cons that I've been to, I'm like, oh, people are using prints now. Like they're not, it's not just solids anymore. And I feel like people are now 
using way less prints and back to solids, but more like hand dyed and, and, you know, more of the muted colors. So I thought that was interesting. And in the last few years, I definitely know. So I felt like at first the quilting was all the straight line matched to quilting everywhere, if, you know, some number of years ago. And then, um, the last few years, I definitely noticed, wow, there's a lot of free motion quilting. There is a lot of long arms, long arm quilting and, and, you know, of more of a, you know, free motion, feathers, spirals, pebbles, things like that. And maybe it was just the ones I was really examining, but I felt there was way less of that. And we're like back to the straight line quilting. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm, I think I'm fairly ambivalent. Um, I find matchstick quilting so boring. I mean, I like the way it looks and some of it was so tight. There were areas, there was some super dense quilting, like in a, some of it was really kind of free motion now that I think about this part, but you know, just like, like areas of a quilt that are quilted straight line, like, I don't know, a 16th of an inch apart. Like, I'm not sure how they're successfully not crossing any lines. And maybe there was, you know, but it, it didn't look that way. So lots of really dense quilting too. So, um, so those are kind of the trends that I observed. Um, I'm curious if anybody has heard anything or if you went, if you agree with any of that. Um, I gotta say there was one, you know, they have different categories and it is interesting to look at a quilt and go, hmm, why did they choose this category? And I thought that a lot in the negative space category. So I think of negative space as being, you know, like a lot of empty space. Um, and almost no quilts were that way. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what, um, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, I guess, a lot of people who used like black as the background were in negative space. So I don't know, that category was a little bit mystifying to me, but they had like a new category that I'm not sure there's going to be a category every year, but it was for this year and it was maximalism, which is absolutely not my style at all, but it was a very fun um, exhibit to go through uh, and how it was interpreted differently by different people. Um, you know, I think of a maximus quilt, maximalist quilt as kind of, you know, what I would think of as the stereotypical, um, improv quilt where you've got some pretty bold colors and they're just sewn together in these crazy ways. And then you put all those blocks together and it's just like this big mess. <laughs> it's not my favorite kind of quilt. And I thought it would be a lot of that, but it wasn't, it was a lot of different things. Um, so anyways, I'm sure you can see all these quilts online, so I won't, you know, go through, I'm not even sure what my favorite one was. I forgot to vote. Um, but there, there were just so many that were, that were so good. Um, a lot of political statements, but also just people exercising their, their artistry in different ways. The last morning, Francis and I got talking to this quilter from Australia and it's a black and white quilt. It was very like modern arty looking. And um, it was half black, half white. And on the black part, there was like a drawing sort of in, in what I was assuming was like white, um, like bias tape. I assumed it was appliqued. And then, then the reverse, then there was a white with similar kind of thin black. And so this is one of those things where we're stepping in and we're, we're trying to stepping up close. Like, is this applique? Is that pieced in? You know, how's it? Well, it turns out the whole thing was painted. It was white fabric and she, everything on it that was black 
was painted. And then she is a painter who also is a quilter. She had two quilts in the show, so she's got some street cred. And the other one was pieced. But in this one, so then she quilted around all these thin areas that formed this shape. Um, And she even she like kind of um, sewed close to that line like twice so that it would really pop out so it was very hard to tell that it wasn't piece that it wasn't sewn it was kind of brilliant (laughs) Francis sort of blurted out isn't that cheating (laughs) to which she did not seem to take offense but um so anyway so that was kind of interesting so anyways um that was super fun and of course it's just for me it's like my girls weekend and we drank a lot of wine and drank a lot of chocolate and you know stayed up late and one night we went to dinner and then Holly Ann um, from String and Story came over and we got to catch up with her she's our total famous rock star her and Patty like I you know we just uh are just uh, you know roadies at this point <laughs> we're just hangers on um but one, the other thing that we did is we went to the QuiltCon Reject Show. So this was put on by somebody who um, reached out to uh, quilters in that area, in the Triangle area, um, if they had had submitted a quilt to QuiltCon and did knock it in. And they found this cool little print shop that said, who apparently also has like little art exhibits sometimes. And... Um, so they set up quilts in this little thing. So you could go um, one night after the show, you go over there and they had, you know, wine and cheese and crackers and kinds of things and go and see these other quilts that did not make it into the show, um, which was a, a really fun idea. It was there was a very small number of quilts. So I'm, I'm hoping that someone else is going to, I love this idea and I hope that someone like takes this idea and runs with it in Phoenix and more people, there could be like an alternative exhibit. I just, I, I just love, love that idea. So that is about it for my QuiltCon report. I still have yet to get my three finished quilt tops quilted, so I will stay on that and and report back to you. I did want to talk about a quilt pattern. Um, You know, the Fat Quarter Shop uh, very generously sends me a little box of goodies occasionally, and um, it's got some quilt patterns and cross-stitch and products and things like that. And um, there is a quilt pattern, and I'll put a link on the website, on the show notes as always, called Flirty by Kim Deal. And um, it really caught my eye. It's a herringbone pattern. So I was, I had to break into it and say, how is this constructed? Because you could obviously do this with half square triangles, but you would have a lot of extra seams. So I had to see how they were constructed. And they're not constructed that way. They are constructed so that each of the little legs on the, on the herringbone are um, just one solid fabric with a very clever stitch and flip technique. And I think it would come together so quickly. So um, I will put that on the, the show notes, but it would be if you needed a, um, a quilt uh, that would come together quickly but looks kind of complicated, I think this would be a, a super good choice for that. Oh, before we leave the, the quilting segment, I forgot to mention that I was able to talk with a couple of listeners that reached out to me at QuiltCon. Um, Jeannie met uh, Francis and I over at the Quilt Alliance booth, and she was absolutely um, delightful to talk to. And then I had coffee with my friend Susan on. We were able to meet last QuiltCon for coffee, and... Um, so that was, it's always so fun. It's always so fun to, to meet you guys in real life. So both Susan and Jeannie, thank you for reaching out. And I'm so glad that we got to spend some time together. 
Okay, let's talk knitting for a few minutes. Not that I have been knitting. I mentioned on previous podcasts that I've been having trouble with my right neck and shoulder, and I thought that knitting and cross-stitching were really exacerbating it. So I've taken some solid time off of that, and I miss it, I'm especially the knitting, because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in the home stretch with my elementary shawl, but I've had to put that away. But... Um, Somebody sent me a book, the the publisher, um, Stackpole Books, sent me a book called Essential Knit Sweaters, Patterns for Every Sweater You Ever Wanted to Wear Every Day (laughs) by, um, I don't know, Frank Ludwig, F-R-A-U-K-E, Ludwig. And um, it is like the one... It's the one book. If you wanted to get into sweater knitting, it's the one book that you you need. It is, um, it's amazing. So at the beginning, it's got all the technique stuff, which on some level is very nice that it's right there. Um, On another level, don't we all just look that stuff up on the the internet (laughs) these days? But everybody wants their craft book to be um, complete. So they've got all the technique you need. Um, They just talk about, you know, just even um, swatches, finding the right size. The different combinations of sweaters you can make from the book, like do you want to sew seams or do you want to knit the whole thing? They've got different choices for that, just all kinds of things like that. And then the patterns. So, it's just so cute. So I'm just gonna flip through here. We've got um, a very snuggly looking um, long cardigan. It says, (laughs) they call it the easiest cardigan in the world. And I believe that's true because it's mostly, just garter stitch with a little bit of ribbing, but mostly garter stitch. And then there's this adorable um, kind of raglan style crew neck sweater that just has like little polka dots, which you know are just those little kind of, you know, it's color work. So it's just like a little V there. Um, There is a top down hooded raglan sweater that has like an asymmetrical um, hemline plus this adorable hood in it super cute another crew neck with like these little baubles on it okay I don't like this one it's an oversized cardigan and that's one's not my favorite and then a absolutely beautiful um, turtleneck so I mean just every type of sweater you ever might you might ever want to to knit so um, I'm definitely going to crack this open and um, and that's only that's not even all the the patterns that's just a sampling of them super cute so if you are interested in sweaters i'm gonna i'll put a link in the show notes it looks like an absolutely fabulous resource for that and for cross stitching same same story have not been doing it much but that quarter shop continues to put out the most adorable patterns so in addition to um you know like this they do these series so one is like a sign by your door and then there's a chicken series neither one of these things are exactly my style so we will do giveaways for those later um they can lori holt continues to put out these adorable stitch cards which are these um how it's 13 uh, 13 36 by 36 stitch little square motifs um stitch set s is all um kind of winter theme mittens a sled it says snow and then one of them is just actually a quilt block. So that is very cute. And Lori has also designed what um, can only be described as a sampler. And it is very cute. It's got a um, a house with a, 
a big cup of tea on the top with flowers coming out of it. So we're combining flowers and teacups, which are both adorable. And then a, a quote that says, ah, there's nothing like staying at home for real comfort from Jane Austen. So very cute. I know that she's very into stitching samplers, so it's cute that she has has designed her own. So in the future, we'll be having some giveaways um, with, for some of these patterns. She'll probably hate me for saying this, but I did also um, convince my friend Minky Kim that her designs would be so adorable as small cross-stitch patterns like that. So she experimented with it, and she just posted one on Instagram recently. It's just like a little strawberry, and it says homemade. It is a, a motif taken from her woven labels. Have you seen her woven labels? They are very, very cute, and just like the perfect little touch to any like bags or mug rugs or any of those little projects that you make just as adorable I'll put a link to her shop um, but so she made a very a very cute little cross stitch I don't know that she enjoys cross stitch enough to continue designing for cross stitch <laughs> but I was right that her little uh, little strawberry design was adorable so I admitted to that I went through a bit of a dry spell on um, quilting, um, but lots of exercisey things, and I've done some reading. So let me share some of the, the books. I'm not even sure this is all of them, but maybe the last podcast I talked about the book, The Guest List by Lucy Foley that my daughter lent me. And so then I decided to look for another one by her, and I read The Paris Apartment, and um, it's one of those books that I think I read in about a day and a half, could not put it down. Um, it's been a while, so let me see if I can remember the broad strokes of it. This um, it takes place, uh, well, in Paris, but so we've got this character. What's his name? It might be Ben. I'm not sure. Um, he has a phone call from his sister in England, and she's like in trouble, and she's like, I need your help. I'm going to come to you. And he says, Fine. I'll be here. Here's my address in this Paris apartment. And then when she, she is in trouble. And when she gets there, he's not there. And that seems really wrong to her. And um, there is a kind of a weird message that he leaves her on, on her machine where she's just, or on her phone, where she's just wondering if something happened to him. So she starts staying in this apartment and it's a small apartment building like there are just maybe four other apartments and the people are all just there's something a little off and she's just realizing that there's something going on in this apartment building and it's got to be linked to the fact that her brother is missing and so the rest of the book is her unraveling that and um it was quite good so i it was definitely more kind of like the um the guest list it's kind of a it is a mystery and a thriller you know both together so I really enjoyed that and then I read also on my daughter's um suggestion The Witch Elm by Tana French I've been meaning to read Tana French for a long time I know she's a very popular author and that was very good it was a long book so it took me more than a day and a half to read it but um it's a story about a, a a young guy who um goes home to his apartment one day and I guess actually he's sleeping when he realizes someone's in his apartment and he you know he breaks in on people breaking in on his apartment and they beat him 
up very badly to the point where he he ends up in the hospital for a long time and is going to need a very long time to recover. So he goes and he stays at this house that he and his cousins, um, he's an only child and his cousins are all, they're all only children. So they were put together almost as siblings and they spent summers at this particular uncle's house. And um, so he goes there to recover and um, a lot of childhood stuff comes up and uh, eventually, I will just say, they find a skeleton in the yard of this house and the rest of it is all unraveling how this all happened and suppressed memories and just all kinds of of things and so it was um also kind of a miss more of a not like a whodunit mystery but just a let's unravel this um so not even really a thriller but it was just very good i really i really enjoyed it and um i want to tell you about a book that i did not finish because it's so popular that i only got it for seven days and then they took it away from me and i didn't finish it and it's called master slave husband wife and it appeared on a number of um best of 2023 lists um, including like the new york times and at least one other maybe washington post um and it is the true story of this couple, a, um, a woman and her husband, who escaped slavery in the South by her pretending to be a white male and her husband as, as his slave. And so she, um, she was very light-skinned, obviously, um, may have only been, she was definitely half, maybe only a quarter black. Um, and it, it required, a, this whole thing required a lot of planning. And, um, and the author has put it together from, from real records and conversations with people. And so it's, it's sort of told like fiction, but it's not fictionalized. She's very clear in the, the introduction that, that, you know, basically I've, I've taken almost no liberties here. It, this is how it was, you know, obviously she doesn't know private conversations, but, um, it's, it's kind of how it happened. And, um, so that was fascinating. Um, we know, you know, that, that they, they get out or there would be no story here. And I got as far as them getting like to, to Philadelphia and then I had to return it. So I need to get my name back on a list, but I highly recommend that. It's just, you learn all kinds of things that, um, you maybe didn't want to know about slavery there. So, and the last one um, that I want to talk about, I'm only about a quarter of the way through, but I'm really enjoying it. And it's called The Henna Artist. So um, around where I live, the, a neighboring town does something called One City, One Book, where they get, you know, they get a lot of copies of this book and get a bunch of people to read it. And I did this last year with a friend of mine. Um, and that's where I read Remarkably Bright Creatures, which I cannot recommend highly enough about the octopus. And then they have all these events. They have the author come and speak. And then they just have other types of events that go with the theme of the book. So this one's called The Henna Artist. And um, so my friend and I have already signed up for the lecture when the, when the author comes. But um, also um, we're going to a tea tasting. It takes place in India. So we're going to a tea tasting. And then one day you can go to the library and they'll have all these like tea samples you can bring home. So I've got that on my calendar. And then there's a day we can go, um, I don't know, learn how to do henna or have henna done. I don't know. I, I didn't pick that when I was first looking at this, but now that I'm into the book, I'm like, oh, well, that would be fun. Maybe I need to go do this henna thing. So, um, 
So this is a book. So it takes place in India about a woman who, um, a, you know, just ran away from her husband who was abusive and um, just snuck away and started a new life in another city um, where she basically she started um, by preparing teas and salves and lotions and things like that and then eventually got into um, being a henna artist and um, so but she has you know like her past is coming back to <laughs> you know she it wasn't the clean break that she that she thought it was um, but I this is the third book that has taken place in India that I've read in the last six months and I'm really enjoying it so um I'll let you know more probably next uh, episode when I when I finish it. But that's called the the henna artist. Oh, and it was also one of those Reese Witherspoon um, book club reads too. So you got we got Reese's stamp of approval on it as well. Let's uh, talk now. I'd say shows and movies, but I have no movies to report. Although there are a number of movies that I would like to see. I would like to see Maestro and Nyad and. I know there's more, but my husband and I are just solidly entrenched in watching This Is Us. <laughs> so it's a rewatch for me. It's the first time for him, and he's loving it. I got to tell you, I didn't really think, you know, when I first watched it that he would have been into it. It is such a good show. This, the storytelling is so good. and But it's, um, it's six seasons with 18 episodes a season, so it's taken us a while to get through it. We're almost halfway. We're coming into the end of season three. Um, and you know, if you've never watched This Is Us, it is on Netflix now, so it's easy to watch. Could not recommend a show more. I love it. I'm also trying to finish The Crown, and oh my goodness, I don't know why I feel compelled to just say I finished The Crown, but I do. Um, and it, this last season has been a slog, <laughs> and I'm not sure why. I mean, everything is still very beautifully done, but I think I find. I found the stuff that happened in the 40s and 50s and 60s that, that I wasn't around for way more compelling. Like, I know the Princess Diana story, although I did not know it like I know it now. Um, like, we, I know way more about um, Dodi Fayed than I ever did before. So there's that. Am I happy about that? I don't know. Um, and now we're into the the um William and Kate part of it so I'm just I just need to get through it and I'm actually on the last episode now of season six <laughs> I've never been so glad to just uh, be done with a show which is so weird that I feel compelled to watch it but there you have it um so there's six seasons I love the crown for the first four uh, five and six were just not as compelling to me I don't know if it was me um or if it just wasn't done as well. I mean, the acting is all amazing no matter what. Um, it just it just is. And the imagery and the casting. Oh my gosh, the casting for uh, Prince William is amazing. I think they did a great job with Kate. Obviously, all the Dianas are like, oh my gosh, amazing. Um, Harry, the, the, the teenage Harry, the casting is terrible. It is uh, an abomination. But, you know, everyone's got to have a a swing in the mist. That's the other thing with This Is Us is the casting for all these different ages of the same characters. So on the money. Um, my husband actually noticed, so grown-up Beth from This Is Us has a mole in her eye, in the white part of her eye. And he noticed that they, she must be wearing a contact or something, but they did that in the teenage version of Beth. She has that same little dark spot in her on the white of her eye, which... I never noticed, but amazing, amazing. Um, 
So that's what we've been watching. Um, Acorn is now finally coming out with some, you know, updates to um, some new new episodes. And so I was able to watch just a handful of episodes for the Madame Blanc mysteries, which I'm not as in love with as I was at first. Um, but that's just this um, fun little cozy mystery type deal of a a woman. I mean, we're seasons in now. So the the premise was that she, her husband was an antique. Well, they have an antiques business. He would go on these buying trips to um, like France and then he disappears. So that's the first season while well, she figures out why he was going to France and what happened to him. But now she's just stayed in France. And so, of course, if it's in France, I'm going to love it. So um, there's always some little twist of... Um, the the police bring her in because of her knowledge of antiques so so that's kind of fun i'm also looking forward to um watching the latest season of all creatures great and small on pbs so that'll be my next thing um and a few months ago i read a book by leon moriarty um australian author that i love called apples never fall and it was about a family we've got your parents and three grown kids they were all they ran a tennis school and the kids are you know grown and out of the house some of them married but the the mom goes missing so you know she's probably in her 70s the mom goes missing and it just in a really weird suspicious way and everybody thinks that maybe the dad did it and um so that's what the book is about. And they're turning it into a little, we would have called it a mini series in my day. Now it's called like a limited time series or something like that on Peacock. And the mother is played by Annette Benning. At first I was like, why would you get Annette Benning? The mom goes missing in the first five minutes, but there's a lot of flashbacks. Um, so I felt like Annette Benning. she's come out of the woodwork. She's in Nyad, she's in this, like, you know, I guess all her kids are out and she's just ready to, to relaunch her career. So I love it. So that's called Apples Never Fall. And I'm kind of looking forward to that. So let's just uh, wrap it up a little bit with um, some thoughts about spring. And um, we've had so much rain here in Southern California. Everything is so green and like the backyard, the weeds are everywhere. So I, I remember in past years, you know, I even though I try to subscribe to the fly lady system where there is no spring cleaning because you just rotate your deep cleaning projects, which I'm not always great about, but you know, the light changes, it gets a little warmer and we kind of start thinking, okay, so what do I want to get done? My problem is, is that I'm at, um, you know, like at odds with there's things I want to do in the house and, but the backyard beckons. And so I've just, I kind of came across this last year. I'm just going to give myself a pass on digging through closets right now and get out in the yard because, you know, we do spend a lot of time out in the backyard. It's, it's definitely another room of our house and it's just not a very pleasurable place to be right now because it is such a mess. And so, um, I think we're just, you know, I had kind of mentally said, let's start getting out there in March. When the kids were little, we often did this. We would really get the backyard whipped into shape to have a backyard birthday party for, um, for Chloe, whose birthday is like at the end of March. And that was always a really good reason to do it. And, um, but that hasn't been true for a long time. So I'm, I'm feeling, uh, my husband and I had a good conversation about, um, you know, we talked a while about, ago about changing up the backyard, redesigning it to be 
um, more drought tolerant and just decided that is not a project we want to tackle right now. So we just need to work with what we've got. Um, I am trying to figure out if I, we have a garden back there that's just an in-ground garden. It has not produced well in years and I've had soil tests and I just cannot quite figure out why. Um, so what I'd really like to do is put some raised beds in there. And so um, we'll see. He, he kind of said, that's fine if you would like to do that, but that's your project. I There's enough stuff to do in the rest of the backyard. So we'll see if I do that this year. Haven't really done much in the way of gardening in the last couple of years because we had the drought. And then I thought we were going to rip up the backyard. And then last year, I just put some tomato plants in pots, which usually do really well, and they didn't. So I'm a little disenchanted with the gardening right now. So I don't know if I just need to let it go one more year. But anyways, I guess my message here is um, we do get full of all these ideas and and um, this energy of when spring comes, and you might have some unrealistic expectations of how much we can get done. We can't clean out all the closets and the attic and put in a garden and, you know, and sew amazing quilts. So we have to kind of pace, uh, pace ourselves here. As a matter of fact, I'm not making great progress and I've kind of learned this about myself. So I've got these goals about um, finishing decorating the kids' rooms, frankly, going through their closets and doing some maintenance things on the kitchen just to kind of spruce things up. And I've made almost zero progress on any of it, but I've kind of realized that I really get the momentum going in about the, the second half of the year. So I haven't lost hope yet, um, you know, and I just need to concentrate on doing a little bit more, you know, just get those on the radar each week. And to that end, um, my friend Francis and I, we have this blog called The Empty Nest Chronicles for, for about a year and a half. We were blogging weekly um, and it, it got to be a little bit much. So now we're just doing monthly posts and we're talking a lot about setting goals and um, our readers are chiming in with the things that they want to just, to, you know, just breaking them down into bite-sized chunks. Like what do I want to focus on this month? And so um, I'll put a link in the show notes or you can just Google The Empty Nest Chronicles blog and, uh, and you'll end up there. So before I go, I want to say thank you to Jenny Vig, who left a very nice review of the podcast. And she said that um, it was the first podcast review she's left in a very long time. Um, and um, I appreciate it very much. So if you feel so inclined, that is an always uh, a welcome thing for you to, to rate or review the podcast. It helps other people find it. And um, I hope that uh, you are doing well. I've missed you guys. And I hope to be back <laughs> sooner rather than later. As always, you can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, which contains all the show notes and all the things I've talked about in this episode on Instagram at Kristen Esser. And please consider joining this, the Simple Handmade Every Day private Facebook group so that we can keep the conversation going. Have a wonderful week.